If you got a Bible, put it up in the air. Put it up in the air if you got a Bible. There we go. I'm seeing some discipleship crew here. Discipleship crew, you should always bring your Bible to youth group. If you got a Bible app, you can open that right now. I want you to go ahead and open the Bible up to Psalms. If you don't know where Psalms is, it's usually about directly in the middle of your Bible. Um, maybe sometimes a couple clicks to your right if you're in Bible, but it's kind of right in the center a lot of times. Psalm 68. Come on in. I need everybody here, especially the leaders. I need you guys to come and sit with the students tonight. Um, get in on this stuff. And can I, can you guys shut the house lights off? Just the, the normal, like those cafeteria lights right there. Yeah, just the, the light switch one. There you go. All right. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 68, verses 4 and 5. One of the things I wanted to talk tonight about is, I know we started a new series last week. But I want to push pause on that series because I want to, I want to do a little culture check moment tonight. Um, remind us where we're going and where, we're be, where we've been and who God's been to us in these moments. I think that one of the things that I've spotted around here lately, and if tonight is your very first night at youth group, I'm sorry for this talk because it's not aimed at you, but everybody else... Everybody else who's been here for a while, this is a culture night check. One of the things that I've noticed is we are losing our worship voice here at Grace Point Youth. We are. For some reason, it's fading. It's, we're becoming more complacent. Complacent is a fancy word of saying comfortable to a fault. So comfortable that I'm not willing to do good things. Complacent is, I'd rather not. Complacent is the word, meh. That is what complacent is. And what I've noticed is that several weeks, our worship has become complacent. And it cannot become complacent. The reason isn't because this place needs to be hype. It doesn't. You know? I'm almost, I'm 38 years old, almost 40, right? I don't need a, a hype place to put me before Jesus. The reason we need our worship to not be complacent is because our God is still worthy. And if he is still worthy, then we should offer him worth. And that is what worship is. And so when you come here and you stand before a holy God and it does not change you, that complacency that has seeped in is wrong. That's what we call sin. Right there. There's never a time when a God who can breathe the world into existence deserves a meh from us. We, we have to recapture our worship voice. So let me just remind us where we've been. There was a time in our youth group, probably about four years ago, when there was a lot of drama around the worship team 
And that broke in a, in, a, in a pretty significant way. And it broke in such a way that really almost broke our church. I don't want to jump into what that was or how that happened, but there was this, this horrible moment that Grace Point, not just Grace Point Youth, but Grace Point Church had to go through in our worship department. And it, and it, was, it was hard. It was really, really, really hard. And after that, it was hard too because the worship kept being meh. And then COVID happened. And this place where we gathered to, to worship was closed down. It was taken away from us. We were told to go online and worship. And it didn't work, did it? Sitting alone in your room with a screen on, didn't matter how, how good of a singer you were or how, how loud you sang, it just wasn't the right thing. Why? Because we forsook the meeting together of the saints. We did something wrong. We, we allowed our worship to slip away from us. It should have been the thing that, that never could have been taken away. We should have had a, a love and an admiration, a connection to God that if anything in this world came apart, it would not be our worship. But for some reason, we were just, we just, we shut down. And, and our youth group shut down. Four weeks. And every single one of those weeks, our worship voice got weaker and weaker and weaker. And we watched as our online numbers ticked down and down and down. How, does, how can that happen? When everyone's supposed to be online, why are we not getting the numbers? Because it's not the meeting together of the saints. It isn't what God asked us to be. And so I was convicted. And I, there, there are stories I tell you, and I tell you guys a lot of stories where I, I don't act courageously, and I'm kind of the fool, and I always like telling those stories because they're funny. But for one time in my life, I heard the voice of God, and I heard it loud and clear. And he gave me the courage to do something that no other youth group in Kitsap County did. And we opened this place. We opened this place. And do you remember what the worship was like when we opened this place? We were still distanced, six feet apart from each other, with masks on. But the fact that we were together could not hold us back. And the worship was loud, and it was contagious. In a world that was so scared, it was fearless. It was wonderful in so many ways, and it grew every single week. It got, it got so enthusiastic over and over again. It didn't matter what the talent was on the stage. It didn't matter what the song was on the stage. It, the fact that we were together and that God deserved to be worshiped was enough for us, and we just kept worshiping and worshiping and worshiping, and all of this grew for several years. We went to a whole camp where we gave each other, all of us came home with COVID pretty much. All of us came home with COVID, but it did not stop our worship. We baptized 37 at that camp. 40 kids got saved at that camp. And you know what? Nobody died, but some souls got saved at that camp. And we were fearless in that moment. And then we had a full year, the last year. It was the most fruitful year we've ever had at Grace Point Youth. Things kept growing. We had brown chair nights. You know what a brown chair night is? It's when we fill up the blue chair so much that we have to bring the brown chairs in. You guys didn't, didn't think it was that, did you? You thought it was something else. When the preaching is so good that we have to have brown chairs. 
The brown, we haven't had a moment of brown chairs since school started. We're losing it, guys. We're losing our worship voice. And is it because God has gotten less holy? Is it because God has gotten less worthy? Is it because our talent isn't there? Is it because we don't have a sound system? Is it because we don't have a good room? Guys, look around. Even before our $1.9 million rebuild, we have the nicest youth facility in Kitsap County pretty much. Is it because of the facilities? No. So what is it? It's this. It's our hearts. Somehow we have forgotten our voice of worship. And my, my hope is that we would never, ever forget what it's like for God to be holy and worthy. I hope that would never not change us. So I want to look at this verse, and I want this verse to seep in to who we are as a worship community. I want tonight to be the night that we regain that worship voice, not because I need it, not because I'm a good preacher, not because the people on the stage are good musicians, but because God is good forever, and he deserves it. And if this place means anything, it means to the glory of God. And that's what we will become. So here it is. It says this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Somebody tell me, what is a widow? Does anybody know? Someone who lost their spouse. Now, way back in the day when this was written, about 3,000 years ago, can you imagine that if you were a woman living in a pretty scary world and you lost your spouse, what would you need from God? Protection. And what does it say? What does it say? A defender to the widow. You hear it? God is meeting a need. A father to the fatherless. Now, this is a little easier connection. What does somebody who is fatherless need? A father. Absolutely. Some of you guys know exactly what this is like. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I, I want to just pause right there and say this. Jesus loves you. You, don't, you aren't fatherless. You have a father who loves you fully, completely, wholly, and wants a relationship desperately with you. And although your, your earthly father failed you, your heavenly father will never fail you. And God, if you allow him, will be your father to you. So what does that mean? A father to the fathers and a, de a defender of the widows. Guys, God is the answer to our struggles. Jesus is the answer to our struggles. What is your struggle? What are you going through in your life right now? Is it a bad relationship? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it dysphoria? Is it, is it, is it your parents? Is it school? Is it, are you being bullied? Do you have chronic pain? I don't I don't know how to answer all those questions, but I can tell you this. Jesus is the answer to all of our struggles. I believe that. Whoa, 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 pastor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you, are you really saying that? Do you really believe that? I mean, there's people out there with real depression, or, and you're just going to say, you can just pray for them? And I, I don't know how to heal depression. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. 
But I can tell you this, that Jesus has always been enough in my life. And when I let him be enough, he's always taken the pain away. And sometimes the pain hurts. And sometimes the, the hurt has purpose. And sometimes that purpose brings me closer to Jesus and I praise him anyway for it. But still, the answer to all of our struggles is still Jesus. And, and, and if, if God can be a father to a fatherless person, he certainly can help you in your depression. He certainly can help you in your anxiety. He certainly can help you with your boyfriend, girlfriend issues. He can certainly help you with whatever is ailing you. Jesus is the answer to your struggles. And someday, maybe not today, you'll figure that out. And it will change everything. So what does the next thing say? It says, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. Somebody who's got a Bible, a physical Bible. Tell me how Lord is written in your Bible. Does anybody know? All capitals, all capitals. That's significant. It's not just like someone writing on Facebook and yelling. It's not like the Lord is his name. That's not what's going on here. It's, it's kind of messed up that, that the translators still do this. Because what that means is the holy name was written, Yahweh. And, and, and because for years and years and years in, in a lot of translations, they felt like the name was too holy to be reproduced, they changed the name to just the Lord. So sometimes it says, his name is the Lord, which is a weird thing because the Lord is a title. But what it's really saying there is that God has a name. And his name is Yahweh, but he doesn't just have one name. He has lots of names. And the reason he has lots of names is because we got lots of stuff that we need God for in our lives. And we can cry out to him. Here's some names that he has, right? Adonai, which means master. Master. Yahweh, which means the Lord. Jehovah, which is just a different way of saying Yahweh. And Yeshua, which is the actual Greek pronunciation for the name Jesus. You guys hear that? When you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes, Lord, you're actually saying something closer to Jesus' name than Jesus. Yeshua. Get that? He has lots of names. And what does that mean? Because he's a personal God. Do you get that? God has a name to which he wants you to call him by because he wants to know you personally. Guys, this is it right here. Don't miss this part. This is the piece that separates Christianity from a lot of the world religions is we serve a personal God, not a God who's removed, not a God who sits above and judges, but a God who is with us, a God who wants relationship with us. Can you guys imagine that for a second? Can you imagine that the one who breathed you into life and knows everything about you doesn't need to have a conversation with you but still longs for a relationship with you? That's mind-blowing. God has a name and he's personal and he wants us to enter into it. That is worthy of worship. God's name is worthy of worship. God is not just a force in the world. He's a person in your life. And as soon as that becomes real in your life, things, things will change for you. I remember I was struggling with this when I first got saved. I said yes to Jesus at camp. I, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. 
And then I go to my, my youth pastor and I would tell him, you know, I was struggling with this relationship with this girl and I, I was struggling, I was struggling in this, uh, with my anger and I was struggling because my parents' situation and he kept, always gave me the same answer and I thought it was like, man, this guy's got one answer for everything. He said, sounds like you need to work something out with God. And I, I didn't know what that meant. So I went to my friend Steve and I said, what does it mean to work something out with God? How do I do that? And he goes, well, you know, TJ, when I'm trying to work something out with God, you know what I do is I go on walks. I'm like, what do you mean you go on walks? You just walk it out? No, 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 no. I go on walks, and then I picture that Jesus is walking right next to me. And then I just talk to him about all the things that are going on in my life. And I don't stop walking until I feel better about that situation. I don't stop talking until I feel, was that, you think that guy's going to work, Steve? And he goes, it works for me. So guess what I started doing? Walking. Isn't it crazy that my walk with God is an actual walk with God, you could have a walk with God too. In fact, some of you guys could use some extra calories being burned in a walk with God, right? We, we can actually walk it out and talk. And I, I remember the first time it was so weird. I was just a walk and I'd say things like, God, I know you're here. And then there'd be like people on the trail so I'd get really quiet. God, I didn't want to look crazy, so I just... I got a little quiet there, but you already know that, so I'm going to just keep another person. Yeah, and what I was talking to you about was this. And the crazy thing is, the more I talked to God, the more easy it got, and the more relational it got, and the more, the more I could sense that he was there, and he was there for me, and that he was personal, and that he was in my life. And I kept on talking over and over and over. And it got to the point where I didn't care who passed me on the trail. I was just going to keep talking to God. And the thing was, it wasn't even a statement. It wasn't like, I don't care, God, here they come. I'm going to talk even louder so that they know that I'm talking to you, Jesus. You know? It wasn't that. It was that I was so focused in my relationship with God that I didn't even see them half the time. Oh, man, it was beautiful. It was the, the most beautiful thing. Some of you guys need to understand that God has a name and wants to know you personally, and you can literally just go on walks with him. Put the phone down, right? Leave it at your house. I know you're, my mom, we're going to get abducted. It hasn't happened. It didn't happen to me, right? Just leave the phone at the house and talk to God and walk. And guess what will happen? You will know God personally, and that will lead to so much freedom in your life. You will watch as the anxiety slips away. You will watch as the depression slips away. You will watch as all the little knots that you've tied yourself into relationally just get untied in his name. And you'll be like, wow, how did this happen? And what you realize is it's just a walk with God. And that would be it. God doesn't just have a name. God knows your name. He knows your name. Think about it. We just ticked over 8 billion people in the whole world. More people living on the planet now today than have lived on the planet ever. That's a crazy stat. Do you guys know that? Eight billion people living right now in this world. God knows all of their names. He's that good. He's that big. He's that smart. He knows those things. He's that powerful. Here, let me, let me get a little bit more personal with this. To those of you who said yes to Jesus, Jesus knew your name. He knew your name when he hung on the cross for your sins. We don't know how God's mind works, but we know that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, which means that he was thinking about you as he hung on that cross. 
He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't doing it either to sit there and just to, to, oh man, I can't believe they sinned and I got to sit on this cross. You know what he said? Nobody takes my life away. I give it freely. And I give it freely for these names that I'm going to add to the Lamb's book of life. He was thinking about you. See, it's the greatest love story of all time is that God, God has a name and he knows our name and he wants a relationship with us. Is that worthy of worship? Is it worthy of you standing before God and maybe looking like a fool in front of him because you love him that much? Because he loves you that much. We reclaim our worship voice tonight not because, not because we need to look a certain way in front of God. It's because we need to look foolish to everyone else so that God will be glorified. And here it is. It says this right here. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Now I guarantee you no one here used the word extol this week. Okay? Sounds like a bathroom product. Extol. But what, you know what it means? It means praise enthusiastically. I'm going to say it again. It means praise enthusiastically. That means that when we stand before a holy God, we cannot be meh. We can't be. Guys, when I get up in front of you guys and speak to you about these things, I don't speak to you in a meh way. You want to know why? Because I care about what I'm saying. And I believe that you should care about what I'm saying too. Not because it's my words, but because it's his words. And his words have had profound impact on me. So I'll shout it if I have to. God is worthy. God is worthy. God is worthy. And if I have to extol that so that you can hear it, hear it over and over and over again. God is worthy. God is worthy. God is worthy. If in case you didn't hear it the first six times, I'll say it one more time. God is worthy. And that is why we worship. And our worship cannot be blah. I know some of us have blah personalities. Still, you can look like a fool for Jesus. Why? Because he didn't mind looking like a fool for you. I remember, I think I was like 21 years old, Bible college, dreaming about youth ministry, downtown Portland, and there was a guy holding a sign on the corner, right? And um, I pull up right next to him, trying to avoid eye contact, you know? Um, but I could see that he's like trying to wave me down. And I'm like, oh, don't look, don't look, because then you gotta say something. You don't have any money, you can't give him anything. Don't look, TJ, but he's just like, you know, and finally I'm like, okay, now I look stupid. I got to look. And I look out there, and I'm surprised by what I see. It's this dude who's got this big old grin on his face, right? Big old grin. The weird thing is he doesn't look homeless, right? He's wearing, like, nice clothes. He's got a sign but, and a big grin on his face, and he doesn't look homeless. And I roll down the window, and he kind of taps the, on the glass, and he shows me the sign. You know what the sign says? It says, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? That's right. That's right. I'm a fool for Jesus. He wasn't out there begging for anything. In fact, he didn't need anything. He just wanted everyone to know that he was willing to look like a fool for Christ's sake. 
And, and, and at the same time, here I am, a Bible college person. I, I, I'm, I'm on my way to ministry. I'm trying to avoid eye contact so I don't have to give to him. And he is showing off what it looks like to worship God. Can we be fools for Jesus? Can we be fools for Jesus because he's worth it? Because he's worthy? Is it worth it to raise your hands even if what's, what's under there is a little stinky? Is it worth it, you know, to raise your hand even though that sometimes when you raise your hand, your shirt kind of comes up in the back, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's not comfortable sometimes, right? So, you know, like i got to bring them down. But is God worth it? It's not, about the, it's not about how good we are as a band. It's about how good God is. It's not about how good the preaching is. It's about how good God is. In fact, I've seen it so many times here when we are in the middle of our worship voice where the band is struggling to get through a song. God help them. And the crowd takes the song. You guys been there for that? Oh, man, that's, that's, that's sacred ground. That's like take off your shoes. This is sacred ground. Because the, lead, the leaders become just part of the choir at that moment. Guys, do you get it? We got to extol his name. We got we to worship him enthusiastically. Some of you guys are on the worship team. You lead worship here. And sometimes when you're not on the stage... You stop leading worship. Why? If God called you to be a worship leader, why would you ever stop leading worship depending on the, whether you're on stage or off stage? If the only time you feel comfortable leading worship is when you've got a mic in front of your face, then you need to check your heart. The best worship leaders, it doesn't matter where they're at that night. They're going to lead worship. Some of you guys are like, well, what are my friends going to think? I brought new people here. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe they will think you're less of you. Maybe they'll go, oh, gosh, that guy's weird. I guarantee you it'll lead to a conversation eventually. And you can tell them about how worth it your God is. And I guarantee you that they'll get to a place in their life where they're going to need a God who's worth it. And maybe this moment of you looking foolish won't seem so foolish in the light of eternity at that point. Can we be fools for Jesus because he's worth it? I'm not going to step back from this. We can't. God has won these victories for us. So for us to back off of these things is to let go of occupied territory that God took for us. It's to let go of the promised land. And we cannot do that, COVID or not. It's going to get crazy here in the future, guys. This is probably our last night of being able to meet in this room. From here on out, we'll either be meeting over there, and then when the, the, the new remodel opens, we'll be downstairs. Things are about to change. You know what cannot change? How worthy our God is. So it's time for us to repent. It's time for us to get right with God and to say, Sorry for the things that we are sorry for. And it's time for us to enthusiastically worship God in a way that's big enough that only God could get the credit for it. Are you guys ready to worship with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind? Are you ready for that moment? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get the worship team up here because that's why I wanted to preach first because I wanted us to have a place where we could go with this, all right? 
everyone, worship team up here, everyone else, right here on the stage. Come on up. Not on the stage. On, right in front of the stage. All right, guys, here we go. Oh, you gonna get ready? Okay. What I want from you guys is this. While they get ready, is this. In your own heart right now, everyone here, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you right now in your head, in your heart, to say sorry for whatever you need to say sorry for to God. Just right now in your own heart, say it. Now, I want you to tell God that you're not gonna be distracted. In your own words, tell God that. In your own words, repent of your complacency. And as this next song starts, over and over and over again until the lyrics hit us, until, until they come, I want you to repeat this over and over and over again in your mind. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, 